Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Hello, everybody. We're talking with Kevin Palmieri. And we're talking to him in New Hampshire, of all places. So, uh, hello, Kevin. Larry, hello. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, my friend. I'm excited to chat. Are you a native of New Hampshire, or did you say, this is just where I want to live? And did you relocate there by design? (laughs) I uh, was born and raised in Massachusetts. And then when my wife and I were looking at places, we were like, you know what? New Hampshire's right over the border cheaper. There's some tax benefits. So we're going to move up to New Hampshire. Absolutely. No, nothing wrong with leaving Massachusetts behind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think in retrospect, it was a a good choice in the future. Will we end up back there? I don't know, but I like it where we are right now. Yeah. So anyway, probably get a chance to do some outdoor stuff up there in New Hampshire too. right? (laughs) Far less than you think. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, but With what we're doing, I do not go outside very often. I get up in the morning, I go to the gym. Yeah, there's some scenery on the way there, but this is the majority of what I see. I see myself looking into this camera and I get to look out the window. So a a lot of my time, Larry, is in the studio. Okay. Well, (laughs) let's talk about uh, uh, winning. Kevin, how how, how does that sound to you? I love it. I love it, my friend. What does winning... now? Kevin is the founder, CFO, and co-host of Next Level University, and uh, it's a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with over 1,250 episodes, and so that goes by Next Level University. Is that the name of it? That is. That is correct. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's that's a code word. People always want to go to the next level and keep climbing the stairs up and see what's up there, you know, see what's possible. <laughs> and uh, uh, peak performance podcast coach, speaker. And so uh, talk to me now about how you came up the ladder and what was your first level of where did, you know, where you got out on your own independent and you achieved some kind of success, which was unique and exciting to you and up the alley of what you wanted to do with your life and kind of convinced you uh, that, you know, you might have what it takes to do something big. (laughs) It's interesting. I don't feel like I had many of those unique successes early in life, Larry, but I ended up getting this very unique job opportunity when I was in my early 20s. And it was in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into large buildings, usually schools, usually something state or government owned. And it was my job as a foreman of the company to make that building more energy efficient. And I was a young man without a college degree. I didn't have any higher education. So I did not expect to make much of my life. And here I am making 60 to $120 an hour at this job. And I'm running a crew of four or five people and traveling up and down the East Coast of the US. So that was the first time I ever actually felt like I was capable of winning, of achieving yeah. some unique level of success. Downside, I spent a lot of time on the road. There was a lot of, you know, driving seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours on a Friday night, 
getting home at two o'clock in the morning on Saturday, leaving on Sunday again. Yeah. And that took quite a toll on my mental health. So I actually had some suicidal ideations that forced me to leave that job. So when I... Just from being on the road? Oh, yeah. you're going into pol polluted buildings or something that kind of toxic uh, <laughs> air got into your thinking. It's what, what in the world, Kevin? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Here I am. So I had a model girlfriend. My girlfriend was a model. I just won a bodybuilding show. I was in the best shape of my life. I, I quite literally the best shape I've ever been. High yeah. paying job, sports car. I have all the measures of success, but internally I'm insecure. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I think what happened was my internal state and my external state were just too drastically different. And I was afraid everybody was going to find out. Then I, I make all this money at my job and I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm afraid to start over. I have a reputation. I, my ego doesn't want me to go back to square one. So that's when I actually started podcasting. I started podcasting after I made the most money I ever made, but found the least amount of fulfillment. And I fell in love with podcasting as I was falling out of love with my job. And I think what happened was I knew I wasn't going to be able to do both. My job was the least fulfilling it had ever been. I was very depressed. I was very anxious. I was very insecure. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And I just felt stuck. So I think that was it for me. I didn't I didn't know if there was another way out. I felt like I was going to be stuck doing this forever. And looking back, is there any other thing, the company, you know, because when you wound up leaving, the company lost a major resource, you know, mm. and because you obviously made them a lot of money and handled a lot of responsibility for them. Is there anything looking back as now someone on a higher level looking back on that situation, if you found yourself running a company like that in the future, uh, you're advising someone running companies like that. Uh, most of the time, there are guys who are running companies like that don't know what they're doing either. You know, it's like <laughs> they, they never thought they'd be doing what they're doing. You know what I'm Very. saying? And they're doing a really crappy job of taking care of their employees. And they're, they're just trying to survive themselves, much less worry about uh, what's going on in the minds of their people. So, would you, looking back, is there anything that th you now would have advised them that could have caused you to have an excitement about what you're doing, uh, you know, uh, enthusiasm about what you're doing uh, that would have caused you to have a different attitude and rather feel, I'm just wondering where this empty feeling came from. Yeah. One of the things would be employee morale is just as important as employee productivity. I just think that as an umbrella of the morale of the people working here is as important as the KPIs that they're hitting. Just from a sustainability and length standpoint, that's one thing. But honestly, you know, what it was for me is I thought that money was going to fix all my problems. So I don't even know if the job, the unique job is what got me to that mental health standpoint. I think if you put me in any job where I was making that kind of money with the assumption that money was going to fix internal parts of myself, I don't think it was the job as the mechanism. I think it was the result of the job and what I thought it would create in my life. So no, I think it was more a me problem than, than anything else. I don't know if there's anything that could have been done to reset that for me, honestly. And so no advice for uh, someone running a company like that, where uh, 
uh, where you could help people work through problems like that without having them having to leave and you know, do something drastic like that? Yeah, I think I think you have to understand at the end of the day that there are human beings on the other side of the text, of the calls, of the signatures on the job site stuff. Like you have to understand that if you don't treat people like humans, they're going to go find a way to be treated like humans elsewhere. That's part one. I think the other thing, at least in, at the time, a lot of the leadership was from scarcity. Yeah. And all I mean by that is this. There's a line out the door of people who want to do the job you want to do. Stop complaining about X, Y, or Z. Stop complaining that if you're five hours away from home and there's a snowstorm and you can't travel to the job site because the school is closed, you don't get paid. Like you're making $70 an hour when you do get paid. Don't complain about it. It's that it's the minimization of feelings. You have to understand that everybody has feelings. And I think some people are like anti-feeling. It's just get the results. And if you don't get the results, nothing else matters. So yeah, I would say approach leadership from a human standpoint first. And I think you'll get a lot further than you expect. Well, how did you, I mean, all of this, the tendency is to go too far on the touchy-feely side of life because there's a practice, you've got to be able to buy groceries. Of course. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, your employer could have said to you, uh, Kevin, you're breaking my heart, uh, you know, that you feel this way, but at least your wife can buy, gro- or you can buy groceries <laughs> when you go to the store yeah. and you are driving a sports car. So, uh, you know, they're, you know, like figure it out. You know, do you know this? No one ever talks about this. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady, after his first Super Bowl, young kid, okay, he's running around. I remember the interview just like it was yesterday, but nobody ever talks about it. He's running around with this look on his face like terror around, you know, in the in the, uh, the hallway. And from basically uh, interviewer to interviewer saying, is this it? I just won the Super Bowl and this is it? I thought it was supposed to be some big kind of deal. You know, like he said, I don't feel any different. He said, you know, he was basically having a, a meltdown in front of everybody and everyone ignores that. You know, he felt like this poor kid is just not going to make, he's going to quit. And, uh, but somehow he was able to get it worked out in his mind. And of course it might be easier when they're paying you tens of millions of dollars a year (laughs) to, and also you have an off season. You know, you have to keep in shape and those things. And I know all that, but you do have an off season and, uh, you know, it is a different lifestyle. So there are people around that can, uh, you know, help you work through that. But even at that level, as he was early on, he was going through that same kind of existential spiritual thing where, uh, you know, his purpose or something, uh, he, he realized that this is what I do for a living. This is not going to make me happy. You know, mm-hmm. it's got kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger told Maria Shriver when they got married, you know, he said, like, uh, she said, I'm just not happy. He said, that's your problem. He said, it's not my job to make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's fair. Up to you to make you happy, you know? Yeah, it's fair. I yeah. think the, the interesting, and I love Tom Brady, New England guy. Sure. I watched yeah. all the, I yeah. think what, what happened is right he went up your alley. Yeah. R- right up my alley. <laughs> I think he went from wanting to win to wanting to be the best to ever do it. And I think that 
but what are the unique detriments of that? And there's that's the other thing too, right? Like there's there you go. It, it's it's all that. But for me, I just think for me, it was more of a mental health issue than it was an occupational hazard issue or anything like that. I don't I don't know if anybody could have helped me because I didn't know that I needed to help myself first. Did you grow up? How did you grow up with the idea that uh, money, you know, this is not something to think about. Money was going to any kind of issue I had. Money was going to make it better. Mm. Yeah, I grew up in a household with with not a lot of money. And I, I was raised by by my mom and my grandmother. Um, honestly, when I was when I was graduating high school and like talking about going to college, I couldn't afford to go to college. Right. That didn't even seem like an option for me. I didn't really know how to even apply for financial aid or any of that. So I grew up as somebody who didn't have a lot of money and would heard would hear rumblings about how are we going to pay rent and and that sort of thing. So I think my assumption was money buys freedom. Right. Freedom buys fulfillment. Is that's yeah. what I think I had in my mind. And uh-huh. and then th- here's the interesting thing. I went the most I had ever made before that, I think was like $20 an hour. Right. It's good money for, you know, good money for where right. I was in life. But when I went from making $20 an hour to $120 an hour, I think I assumed I must have to feel differently internally. So I think I just fell for the trap. Uh-huh. And so uh, coming out of that, were you married at the time or uh, yeah. single? Single. This is, well, it's easy easy to make wild and crazy decisions like that when you're single. Yes. And uh, how did you get your income stream started with this new? It's great. I love podcasting, and you know I've got got some some uh, viewers and uh, getting good feedback. But then that's a long way from that to where you're making. Uh, you know, substantial income to where you can can be independent. Yes. Long term. Because, you know, there is a timeline on the entertainment uh, type vehicle. You know, when you have a show, you have a project or you have a book or something, there's a cycle to where it's successful. But for it to keep going up and up, 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 it's like very few people make, you know, have success. Very few people keep on being successful. And it's like that with any kind of thing, like a uh, long running TV show or a podcast or anything like that. So how did you get to the point to where uh, this thing, you you know, you were convinced this thing could be what you would wind up doing long term? Yeah. So it probably took like two years. The first, the first like year, year and a half, I lived off my savings and I lived off credit cards. So when the rubber really hit the road and it was like, hey, if this doesn't become a real thing, I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do. I was $35,000 in credit card debt. I had no money in the bank. And I went to my business partner. I said, hey, man, I have to start making money. And he said, all right, you should start coaching for free. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't know if you missed the part where I have to start making money. I, I can't do anything for free. It really started, Larry. I went to the people who I knew were listening and I said, hey, I'm interested in starting coaching never done it. Don't know if I'm any good. It's totally free. Is that something that you want to try out? And I asked five people and they all said yes. So I coached people for free on mindset, peak performance, habits, that type of stuff for two months. And after those two months, I said, I can't do this for free anymore because my schedule is actually somewhat filling up. What do you think of 50 bucks a week? And that's, that's how all this started. This all started by saying, okay, we have a podcast about self-improvement. What's the logical way to make money? 
add more value to somebody at a deeper level of the business for an exchange of funds. Yeah. And so did your income continue to grow from adding individual clients or from picking up ads with your podcast or things like that? Yeah, we so we are anti-ad. We don't do ads. We don't do sponsorships. Everything for us is service-based. So yeah, it grew through one-on-one coaching and then we added some other modalities. But what really helped us is we started getting into like more service stuff. So right now we produce 40 other podcasts. That's big for us. How many other podcasts? 40 right now. 40 other podcasts. Yeah. It just makes my head hurt. <laughs> uh, you know, but that's, you know, I'm not in that business. So you, right. it's another thing. The thought comes to me from uh, uh, like, it's one thing to do something, uh, but it's another thing to uh, run a business doing that thing. Yes. And so it's a totally different animal running yeah. with 40 different podcasts than you sitting in front of the mic and and uh uh answering questions and pontificating on <laughs> on the on the oil situation in the mid east <laughs> if i were king this is what we would do <laughs> i i think the interesting thing for us is over i think we started producing shows we were like 400 or 500 episodes in at that point we had already created pretty good systems so it was almost like oh Somebody wants us to produce our show. Let's see if it fits in our system. Does it work the same way for somebody else? So yeah, I mean, obviously there are many, many challenges that come with it, but if the system is tight like it is, it's usually, we've already failed forward with us so many times, we shouldn't make the same mistakes with somebody else. So yeah. Thanks for listening to The Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.